Hey, thank you for joining us for our big time talker podcast as we simulcast with Zoom into books and our friends from Headline Books. We're live today from our palatial studios here at the Hilton in Florida, Jupiter, Florida, uh, as we travel about the country. But we wanted to make time for this talk with Kimberly Greenberg. She's the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Proactive Performer. It's business and marketing strategy for the proactive performer. Kimberly is, uh, well, as, as they would say in Ron Burgundy land, she's kind of a big deal. You may have uh, you may have seen her play Fanny Bryce. You may have seen her uh, in an off-Broadway show. As a matter of fact, and I want to start with that because I think this is kind of a fascinating thing. You were, do I have this right, the only actress to play the lead in two off-Broadway shows at the same time? Is that right? That is correct. So I What is wrong I, with I, you? I know. What was I thinking? I think back to when I did it. I don't know if I could do that again. Well, I would do it again, but like mentally it's exhausting. But um, yeah, I'm the first and only actress to play leading roles in two off-Broadway musicals at the same time. One of them was a show called Danny and Sylvia, the Danny Kane musical, and I played Sylvia Fine, and that show ran for three years. It was a two-person musical. And then the other show was a solo musical called One Night with Fanny Bryce, which was my first big foray playing this legendary woman from the Ziegfeld Follies, the first big female comedian, torch singer. And most people know her because of her um, you, her story is is shown in Funny Girl starring Barbara Streisand. So that's if somebody's like, who is that? That's how you would really know who she was. So I'm, I'm known for playing a more real life version of her with a more real life story. So what does that day look like if you are the lead in two shows in one day? I mean, did, did the I, day I can't even put my, crazy. I can't wrap my head around that. I know. Well, the day is crazy because in addition to doing that at the same time, I was also working backstage on Broadway. I do that as well as a wardrobe dresser. That's somebody who puts actors in their costumes so that is also a job backstage. And so I would multitask. I would do one of those shows as a matinee at two o'clock. The show would, you know, be an hour and a half, two hours. I would run literally because my show was a block away from a Broadway theater where I was dressing um, Billy Elliot on Broadway. So I'd run to Billy Elliot and I would be get there just in time for the middle of the first act when the big quick change happens. I would do that. I would dress the rest of the show in my pin curls and my fake eyelashes and my makeup. And then when the when that was over, I would run back to my theater for an evening show of one of the two shows that I would be multitasking. And that would just cycle every day, pretty much. Kimberly Greenberg is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. By the way, thank you, speakermatch.com for sponsoring the show. And you can download us every Tuesday uh, at all the usual spots at Spotify and Apple iTunes and iHeartMedia. Um, Kimberly and I first met up when she was a part of the cast or the table read for Rocket Boys, the musical. Um, and, and you're right there in the middle of the show business world. So when you write a book about how to become a proactive performer, you know of what you speak. How important is it to somebody who wants to do this for a living? Because you've got all these tips and tricks and, and even templates in the book. Do it. How important is it to be a proactive performer? 
Um, I think it's essential. So much, so many people in this business don't want to be creative and want to perform, but they don't actually understand or participate in actually being in control of their career. Right. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of control unless we're making our own work. Um, but there are pieces and things that we can do to help people understand what we do as artists which will hopefully help us get jobs in the long run and put us out in an audition in a successful way or market ourselves as a performer so that in something like New York, where I am, I, I work out of New York, I work out of LA, I work out of New England. These are what I call saturated markets. They're full of actors, tons and tons of actors. And in order to be able to kind of stand out, you need to understand the business side of things. And that way you can market yourself appropriately so that when someone's like, oh, I need, and this is like speaking for me, I, I tend to market myself as your brassy, sassy, New York, Jewish broad. When, when a casting person says, oh, I need somebody like that, then they're potentially gonna have me on their list. Or if they don't know me, I can advertise myself to them in that specific way. And hopefully that'll get me the audition versus the other 500 to thousands of people who are applying. That makes a lot of sense. So they, they have really Greenberg type that they need, right? Well, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to keep, keep working forever and ever. So we'll see. To people who are interested in pursuing the arts and and even moms and dads, momagers, the, the moms who act as the kids manager, right? The, it's just chock full of stuff. So I made notes. So I'm going to ask you lots of questions, okay? Great. Great. I'm All ready. Right. And by the way, if, if folks want to find the book, it is available on Amazon. We mentioned it's an Amazon bestseller. So a virtual fist bump to you on that. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> where else can folks find out about you in the book? Uh, well, there are many places, obviously headlinebooks.com where my fabulous publisher, they can find out about it there. Um, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on my websites, KimberlyFayGreenberg.com, TheBroadwayExpert.com, which is my coaching brain of, of the whole book thing. Um, and you can also find it in the Drama Bookshop in New York City. And hopefully we've only been out for a little over a week. So hopefully we will continue to expand on that. <laughs> I like it. All right. So, so the book, you know, and, and I see it up on the screen behind you there. Yes. Um, if someone says to you, what is a proactive performer? You would say what? What's the definition of that? Someone who is being working for themselves as far as like trying to create momentum in their career. Uh, my baseline for that is like doing a several, at least three to five things a day for your career that you're in control of. Uh, so that's like the baseline. And then we can expand from that. Obviously, it depends on your goals. It depends on where you are in your career, where you're located. That would decide what you're going to do next. But um, it's literally just taking action steps. So as you talk about in the book, and you have specific, a lot of specific action steps, it's not the kind of career, and I think this is probably a big misconception for people who are not in the entertainment industry, uh, where you sort of sit back and wait for the phone to ring. Um, you know, unless, of course, Kimberly, you're genetically blessed like Brad Pitt and I am, and, and you know, the phone just rings just because of the looks alone. But, you know, for the rest of you folks... I kid, of course, because on the podcast, no one can see what I look like. Um, for the rest of you, you really do have to, uh, and I use air quotes here, 
make your own breaks. You got to make stuff happen, right? Yeah, I mean, there's the saying that like, it, I don't know the quite the exact saying, but it's like 10 years to an overnight success. Right, right. And they've really been plugging at it for years and years. And then all of a sudden, this person is known everywhere. And it, they they just hadn't come out of nowhere. They, they've been working and working and being proactive for 10 years. So yeah, the, the, the best way to really um, kind of condense that timeline so that you start to gain momentum and basically gain work would be the obvious goal would be to be proactive because those little seeds that you plant, they tend to blossom and then grow into many other things. Isn't it also true, though, that you have to be somewhat strategic about what you do, because, you know, to use your, your planting analogy, you can just throw seeds everywhere. Yeah. But if, if you don't water those seeds and maybe, you know, you're planting kumquats and you really want watermelons, it's, yeah. it's not going to happen. So you have to kind of have a focus and a plan, right? Yeah. And I have that in my book, too. Um, I'm a firm believer in doing many things. I don't think you need to just pick one thing and go with it obviously even I've just already said that I'm an actor I work backstage I'm now an author I play Betty Bryce I think that's great but I do think you have to have some sort of even if you're not exactly sure what it is some sort of end game in mind so that you can at least work smarter not harder because the whole point of the book is so that if I would have had this 20 years ago when I started, I would have been able to throw way less spaghetti at the wall and hope right. that something sticks. And that's what I'm aiming to do with this. So I hope that when somebody reads this, it will help them pick the smart action steps that they want to take. And hopefully those will build out to create that momentum they were looking for. How did you know this is what you wanted to do with your life? As far as being an actor? Yeah. <laughs> I think I've known since I came out of the womb (laughs) that I was dancing in my crib to the Mickey Mouse Club. So I think it was always a thing. I think in fourth grade, um, I started going to theater summer camp. I started playing the violin. I was in dance class. I loved a little TV show that doesn't exist anymore called Kids Incorporated. And it was about this these kids who are in a band and they love to sing and dance. And I would put on my costume and do the same thing from home. So I think it's always been a thing. Um, and they do say that it is kind of once you get on the stage and do it, it's like a drug. Like you you want to just keep doing it. And I will say I'm I I'm one of those people where if I examine my life and think, well, could I do anything else? The answer is no. Um, this is really my passion and my life's work and what I love. So if you got no backup plan, because that's what every parent wants, you know, you can try this for a while, but you gotta have a backup plan if you really are passionate about it. You don't necessarily have a backup plan, but with a book like Proactive Performer, if you do things right, I'm assuming because you've made this work for yourself, you believe that you can make a living in the performing arts. Absolutely. And that's also why I preach being able to do many things. And I talk about that in the book too, which is like being able to find different avenues to share your art. So with my Fanny Bryce show that I now have that travels across the country, this is not what was off Broadway. This is actually a different show um, that people were kind of asking me for something else that I could take to a theater. So I ended up creating this show. And of course that provides income. People see me in that. And then they hire me in something else that I didn't make 
or um, being a coach and being, you know, helping other actors like myself with marketing and business, then I'm meeting other actors and then they're potentially putting me in their show, same with backstage and it all kinds of works together. So yes, then you can create a living. While you may not be performing all the time, you can absolutely become somebody who supports yourself as a performing artist in the industry as a whole, and then make your own niche for yourself because, you, you, you're the only one doing what you do. And that's really cool. You're fulfilling a need. I thought that as I skimmed through the book, one of the things that, and I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, but I thought it was really cool, is that this would work no matter sort of what it is you want to do in the performing arts. You want to be on Broadway? It's great for that. You want to be a touring rock musician? It's great for that. It's all very applicable. So even though, you know, you want to be on TV, you want to be in the soaps or you want to be in the movies, even though those are very different disciplines, there are a certain sort of building blocks that work for everybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the building blocks are the same. It's just in, you know, infusing them with what it is that you do, what what makes you uniquely you, what makes your art you, because much of the business as a performer functions in a similar way. So like in the book, I have how to write a cover letter to pitch yourself for a project. All you're really doing is using that template and structuring it with what you have or or are offering to answer the need of whatever that might be, whether it is to be a lead singer in a band, whether it is to be auditioning for a Broadway show or a movie or a television show. So yeah, definitely. It's definitely building blocks for any kind of performer. Business and Marketing Strategy for the Proactive Performer by Kimberly Greenberg, available at Amazon.com, from HeadlineBooks.com, everywhere. Um, we talked about you sort of coming out of the womb and doing the singing and dancing and scaring the doctors and nurses. Um, moms and dads that have talented kids. You know, I must hear from a mother or father at least once a week. You know, my little Johnny's got it. You know, Isabel's going to be the next big thing. You do this for a living. How do you sort of separate out the kids that, that can do it and have the natural ability from the kids that, that maybe should really look into to plumbing or, uh, you know, appliance repair or an, another career? How do you do that? Well, I don't know if you're necessarily separating them out because I will say that as a performer, I've definitely grown since I was a kid. I don't know how great I was when I was little. So I don't know if you can really um, point anything out like that. So much of the career is using the, the things so that you can get that audition and then hopefully you're just the right person for the job. A lot of times it is not about talent. It's whether or not you can serve the work that you're doing. And that might be in how you look, that might be in how you sing, that might be in being an experience. They might want some, uh, a kid who isn't, is is just going to kind of wing it. That might actually be what they're looking for. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the parents because I think the kid really needs to want to do it and it not be the parents that want the kid to do it. I think that's like the ideal situation. And then the parent supports the kid as they do it. I think and that's, you know, that's a, a big part of what I picked up on as I looked through the book is, um, and look, you may completely disagree with me on this, but it seems to me that a big tenet of what you're saying is so much of it goes into uh, the work ethic. And how much effort you want to put into to making it happen. And, and I will tell you, as somebody who hires a lot of talent and manages talent, 
I'll take somebody who wants to put the effort in a whole lot more than somebody who's going to kind of hang back and, and wait to see what happens for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what this is about. Because the, the sad fact is, I think there are a lot of actors who feel that they could they could potentially sit back and wait for the phone to ring. And that's just not how this business works. Uh, I mean, for somebody to get their lucky break, that's like one in a million, million chances. So in order to actually like be taken seriously and the fact that people love when you're, when you're actually working towards a career, it makes people want to work harder for you. It makes people want to make things happen for you when you're actually like being proactive. So yeah, I think that's, that's extremely important that, that there is like, there is definitely work involved and a supportive parent who's willing to help a child do that because the child may not actually be able to do some of those things. That's where it comes in handy, whether or not the kid is talented or not. If the kid loves it, then talent, talent, I mean, that's support what they love, I think, too, because you can see that just as much as the talent. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's even better. If you have questions, by the way, as we do the uh the Zoom into Books portion of this live online, you can always just type them in and as they pop up into the chat box, I'm going to throw them at Kimberly. She will be live without a net. She will not know what's coming. So, ooh, scary stuff. Um, and, of course, if you have questions after the fact and you're listening to our podcast, just shoot them over to us and we'll get them to Kimberly Greenberg. You can find her online as well. The book is Business and Marketing Strategy for the Proactive Performer. It's full of tips and tricks and even templates on things like how to get a manager or an agent and casting and auditions, creating uh, your own products. And, and as you said, working smarter, not harder. Here's a question that just came in that uh, I think is, is probably pretty apropos. Are you, Kimberly, performing on stage at the moment? In other words, I guess they're asking, okay, you're coaching, but but do you do what you say you uh, I do do what I say I do, yes. Actually, I'm going into a recording studio tomorrow to record a demo album for a new musical here in New York City. So that's fun. Um, I actually just got a booking for my Fanny show. We're going to be in New Jersey on Mother's Day. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, you can find out more intel about all my performing endeavors, where I am, where I'm going, what I'm doing uh, at KimberlyFayGreenberg.com. I'll keep that continually updated. But if you want to see me perform, all you need to do is type in my name into Google. And I kid you not, it will pop up with a plethora of things where you can watch me sing and dance and act and play Fanny Bryce. On YouTube, I've got hundreds of videos. <laughs> I'm not shy. So you can watch <laughs> television, just, you know what I mean. So feel free to uh, stalk me on a good Google search to find out where I'm going next or, or what I've already done. Video of Kimberly everywhere. One of the cool <laughs> things about the way that you've, you've crafted your career, and frankly, the way that a lot of really smart performers do it, Kimberly, is that you do a lot of different things within the umbrella of yeah. the performing arts. And that's really fun and appealing to someone who might be watching or listening right now saying, man, my job is just drudgery. I do the same thing every day, day in and day out. If you are the kind of person that puts enough work and, and sort of time and effort and energy into the performing arts, your days are very, very different. So so just give a, you know our, our viewers and listeners an idea of what a typical week looks like for you or even a typical day, because you do a bunch of different stuff. 
I know. And I don't know if I actually really ever have a typical day because like today, for instance, um, I got up early this morning. I went to an audition here um, in New York City. It was um, an equity audition. They call it like an equity open call. So I still, I have an agent, I have a manager, I get appointments, and then I'm constantly doing those auditions. And then I'm also constantly going to what they call open calls traditions. So I did that today. I then came home and practiced for my demo album recording that I'm doing this week. And then um, working on some stuff for the book. Tonight, I'm going to a dance class. Um, and then it kind of all starts again tomorrow. And then I could be going to work backstage um, on Broadway or, or at another theater. Could be working with a client, um, learning new material for an audition, going to a vocal coaching. It, it really just depends on the day. It's it's every day is very different and very jam packed. And um, it's like being on a train. You just just keep going. Just, do you like that though? I mean, that sounds great. It sounds like there's, you're never bored. You're never doing the same thing. <laughs> well, I'll, I will admit that it sometimes you can get tired, but yeah. I'm not that young anymore. Um, but um, I do enjoy, I, I mean, I love what I do. So anytime I get to do what I love, which I try to do, you know, I get to hopefully do on a daily basis that that sure. makes me happy. I'm not, I'm not lying. There's a ton of work involved. It is, you know, I don't just get to perform. I have to, you know, actually do work on my computer. I, I practice what I preach. So I'm doing emails. I'm revamping my marketing materials. I'm making demo reels. Like I said, I'm going to a voice lesson. I'm going to a dance class and coaching, going to coach somebody, and then they're going to come coach with me. So um, it's not all being on the stage under lights or being on the set you know, all the time. That's, and a lot of it is auditions, auditions, auditions. Like during busy season, we're in a strike right now, but I mean, I could be doing two or three or four auditions a week in a variety of things, going to a live audition for a musical, do putting myself on tape for a television show or a commercial or film. Um, so yeah, there's a, it's, it's always different. Every day is very different. Every week's different. The the seasons change, um, you know, make things a little bit different because sometimes it's very busy for theater and slow for TV and film. Sometimes it's very busy for me performing my Fanny show. I was like all over the United States the past year doing my Fanny show. I was in Kansas and Arizona and Connecticut. And I think I did five shows this past year. Um, for a touring solo show, that's quite a lot. Um, and um, so you just you just never, never know. I kind of go with the flow. And I again, I stay as proactive as possible so that it continues to cycle. Well, I have a friend who is a voiceover talent. And for the uh, folks who are listening or watching and don't know what that means, they're the, the, the guys or gals that you might hear say, tonight at eight on CBS. And he says that he spends way more time sort of looking for those opportunities and sending email and making friends and networking than actually in the, the recording studio doing that. That's all part of the process. Um, Kimberly Greenberg is our guest today. The book is Business and Marketing Strategy for the Proactive Performer. So if you or someone you know wants to get into the show business of business, this is the book for you. Um, you mentioned you're in the middle of a strike, and I do have to ask you about that. The Screen Actors Guild and the Writers' Strike has gone on for a couple of months now. You're a, a New York-based performer. Um, how has this affected your life? 
Well, it's interesting because I work not only in New York, I also am from LA. So I am an LA local hire and I'm also a New England local hire as well. So I work out of three markets, Okay. but I I do live in New York primarily. Um, It it is very affecting things because it, it just basically means there's not really any auditions. I did have an audition for a movie the other day, which was great, but also I'm one, I'm very supportive of my union. So I wanna make sure that we're getting our residuals and our pay that we need. Um, I mean, I get residual checks, so I would like those to keep to keep coming. That's a big sure. part of you know um, making livelihood, paying rent, and things like that. And um, yeah, I mean, when the strike is over, I'm sure it will be raining more additions. Fingers crossed. You know what I mean? We'll see. Um, but with the strike and supporting the strike, it just means focusing on other projects at the moment, like, you know, auditioning for theater, trying to catch up on some of the things I have online that need to be updated, my websites, my casting profiles, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, I will say, though, the strike is a big deal, and I hope that. I hope it resolves soon, but not soon enough where, you know, the actors don't get what we need. So we'll see. And what you deserve. Well, best yeah. of luck on it. Uh, yeah. I thought about you earlier today. I actually went through. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad for guys like Jason Momoa and I who make our livings just by being really sort of these really good looking guys. I actually, I, <laughs> I, I went through a checkers drive through and for the first time ever, Artificial intelligence took my order. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a real thing that this is could definitely affect all of our livelihoods. They've actually already started scanning people on certain sets. So, um, yeah, with AI writing things is a big deal. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not the person who can like really talk a lot about that because I'm not the expert on that. But I, I definitely. I read all my bulletins. I definitely listen to a lot of industry podcasts and read a lot of industry, you know, news and things like that to try to keep up on everything. But just even what I know and using like chat GPT for just random things, not even like, you know what I just like literally make me a list of blah, you know what I mean? Like I just need a list, but like the fact that the things that it could do is crazy. So the fact that it could like take people's jobs is even crazier especially my order got my bacon cheeseburger today yeah well all of the ai is like going to walmart and checking out using the the register that doesn't have a person there anymore or that's all all of that is ai i mean or the fact of matter just using like maps on our phone and everything i mean all of that's the you know the beginning of ai so we all use it we just need to be able to like get credit for it paid accordingly knowing what we're being used for things like that so it's as a professional actress Kimberly would if if uh, a producer came to you and said hey I want to capture your image to use you know as an extra or or whatever and and I, I want to pay you one time or work for hire and you don't get residuals on it what would you say? I guess it would depend on how big the one-time check is. But. Yeah, I probably, well, I don't think it could ever be that big. So I, I would probably, I would say no, obviously. Yeah. I don't think I would want anyone to just own my likeness and me as a human so that I could never do anything else ever again. That would be very bad. 
Very if bad. If you want to learn how to do it right, and Kimberly does it right, she makes a great living as a proactive performer and does lots of things in and around the entertainment industry. Pick up her new book. It's an Amazon bestseller uh, from headlinebooks.com, amazon.com. What is the bookstore in, in Manhattan that is selling it? Oh, the you? Drama Bookshop in, in New York City. If, if you're an actor or performer, you definitely know what that is. It is very much a specialty bookstore that is for the performing artist or anybody in the performing arts. It's very special. Here's a question that's come in uh, through a chat room. Do you, Kimberly, do speaking engagements? For example, do you ever talk to college drama classes? Yes, I do, actually. So please reach out to me if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but yeah, the big goal of the book is to get into universities and colleges because it's definitely would be great for students, classrooms. Not It's great for professional performers as well, but it's definitely like a, a building blocks would be amazing to have it in schools. But I already do teach uh, in colleges and universities um, cover letters, resumes, how to get rep, um, and the business and marketing of the business I go in and I teach for both performing artists and backstage artists and creatives. So I've already been doing that um, Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. I might be at NYU in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I was at Columbia over the summer teaching some high school kids. Uh, I went to Florida to teach at the Florida Thespian Festival. So um, I love that. So if you know anyone, I am. I will be there. She's <laughs> your girl. All right. Educating the 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 younger generation. So hopefully, you know, they can just make their own mark. So I've been teasing about uh, you know the the beefcake and the look thing. There's a place in the entertainment business for all different shapes and sizes and complexions of human beings, though, right? So yeah. one of the, I think the big misconceptions out there is that you have to have a certain look or a certain type to be successful, whether you're in the music into things or TV or movies or Broadway, that's not really the case, is it? No, not anymore. Um, luckily, thankfully. Right. Uh, the thing that I very much preach, because I've, I've kind of been this way my entire career, which is I'm like never been willing to kind of like give up my own person, like who I am. I, I never wanted to change my name. I wanted never wanted to dye my hair. I never wanted to like change my vocal quality when I sing, anything like that to sound like anybody else. I've always been that kind of performer that's like, this is who I am. Like it? <laughs> I don't like it. Forget it. But um, I, I <laughs> now more so than ever, though, I think the industry has drastically changed since when I was younger. And the fact that really, truly anybody and any any age, any size, any look, any ethnicity can pursue the business. And again, in the book, I'm very much my whole thing as a coach and as a, and as someone who wrote this book is like being able to help you enunciate that in words of who you who you uniquely are and how you emulate that and what your essence is and what you bring into an audition room. Again, because you want to be different than everybody else. You don't want to be the cookie cutter like everybody else. Uh, you'll, it's going to be so hard to work if you're one in 1,000. You need to be one, one in one or one in five or one in 10 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm definitely somebody who preaches. You, anybody can do this. Don't change who you are. Just figure out you know, what it is that you're bringing to the table and 
how to how to market that, how, how to put that out into the world. And, and yet, I guess the other end of that coin is if you are who you are and you you stay authentic to yourself, which you have done, um, that means you're not going to be right for every opportunity that comes along. You know, you may not have, uh, they may be looking for a baritone voice and you have a tenor voice. They yeah. might want a blonde and you're a brunette. You know, they might really need, uh, a, you know, a really tall or a really heavy set person. You're short and skinny. So let me ask you this, as somebody who, who goes out, you said you just went to an audition earlier today. And, and I know you write about this in the book um, in, in more detail, but tell us how you personally deal with rejection when there are going to be more no's than yeses in this business. Oh, yeah, this was the hardest thing I think I had to write in the book. Like I had to, to figure out how to express that in words. I think the the biggest thing is, is it's just the norm. I'm We have to accept it as the norm. I'm not negating the fact that being rejected is extremely difficult and it right. is you have to get used to. But if we can start to accept it that it, this is what happens to everybody. And as someone who is pursuing the business, if you can just accept that as a norm, then you can like take it and let it go. And you can just keep moving forward until the right possibility actually comes along. Because um, again, putting yourself out in the universe, while you may not be right for everything, the things that you are right for, that you do get the audition for, that people consider you for, the chances are so much bigger that you could potentially book that job. And then if you don't, well, people really know what you do. They know what you do well. And more than likely, that's going to lead to something else that was actually meant to be yours. I have found that over my whole lifetime that that's always the case. Usually the job I was rejected from does lead to something else later. It's very strange. Um, but I think that's the big learning curve. In the book, I compare it to like the fact that every day we get up and we need not like to brush our teeth, but we brush our teeth. It's mm -hmm. kind of the same thing. It's like, we have to know that the norm is we're not getting this job. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a gift if we get the job. And again, like we spoke earlier too, like auditions are 99% of our life is the audition. Um, the 1% is probably getting the job. So enjoying that as much as we can. I love auditioning. I Part of the reason why I love this is because I love the business of marketing strategy. Like my brain goes crazy because it's like a puzzle. So I love auditioning. And even though that sounds crazy, I love it as much as I um, love the business of marketing because it is, it's like a puzzle. It's like a game in a way. And I, I have found that it's fun that way to like keep moving forward. But again, the rejection, I just go, you know, that's, this is a normal day. We just keep going. Most of the time it has nothing to do with you anyway. You were too tall, you were too short, your hair is brown. It's, you remind this person of their ex-girlfriend. I mean, it's, the stuff is so silly. You know what I mean? You can't control any of that. So. Kimberly Greenberg is our guest. Proactive Performer is the book and it's the mantra. It's available from Amazon is where it's an Amazon bestseller. Also from headlinebooks.com, and uh, you can find it all over the internet. Um, you went to an audition. It was this morning, I think you said. Yeah. You live in in the New York City area. Um, however, in in today's world, it's my understanding from my friends that are actors that 
a whole lot of their auditions are done online that, that yeah. you record something and you send video in. So having said that, how important is it, do you believe, if you're going to be a you know a country music performer that you got to live in Nashville? If you're going to be, uh, your goal is to be on Broadway, you got to move to New York. You want to be in TV and movies, you got to live in Los Angeles. Does that really matter as much anymore or at all? No, it actually doesn't. And that's the whole reason why I am able to be not just working in New York, but working in LA and working in New England. The whole virtual self-tape aspect opened a whole new world to me um, as far as that's concerned. And literally in the room behind me is where I have my entire self-tape studio set up. So at any point of the day, I can walk in there and record what I need to record. I will say 90% of my auditions are on self-tape and um, they're for jobs all over. They're not necessarily for jobs in New York. And they're for theater, they're for Broadway, they're for TV, they're for uh, film and commercials. Uh, being here in New York, I do have the luxury where there are open calls that are now in person. They didn't used to be up until very recently from the pandemic where everything right. was online. But now we do have a few things that are back in person. But you even still have the opportunity for those things to submit online if you wanted to. Um, so really, truly, you can be anywhere. And a lot of what I teach in the book, too, is how you can submit without even going to an open call or without, you know, if you're hearing about a project and you think it's something you are absolutely right for and at the level for, you can compete for it, realistically speaking. I do speak to how I've gotten many of my additions that way and some jobs as well. Um, just by pitching in an email or sending a video. Um, so you can really be pretty much anywhere. To, What's to in that self-tape studio? You talked about that. Is it like a gazillion dollars worth of stuff? Oh, God, no. oh no, no, no. <laughs> I think it was like, I think it cost me maybe $200. I have two LED lights. I have a couple of tripods on two big storage containers Okay. And I'm standing in front of a blank wall. So there you go. And it's quiet. So I like it. She's a frugal fanny. fanny. I'm a frugal fanny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Self-branding. You talked about this sort of in, in general terms and that that you sort of brand yourself as this sassy New Yorker Jewish lady and yeah. you got the thing and the stuff. Um, does that limit you at all? or? Is it better to be sort of well-defined and to be, if you're going to be Jason Momoa, be Jason Momoa all day long. If you're going to be Kimberly Greenberg, be Kimberly all day long. Well, here's the deal. I That is definitely my branding and it definitely gets me a ton of jobs. Now, that's obviously not to say I can't do other things. Honestly, I'm from Southern California and I'm a Valley girl. So... Um, but I have lived here now, you know, quite a long time. And my right. family persona is what has helped me to, to eat. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, I will say the thing about the branding is if people don't know you, it's much easier to get in the door for something that you are completely on point for. Right. Then you get hired for that job and people work with you. They're like, oh, well, you can do more than this. You could do blah, 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 blah. And then they hire you for a project doing something else. So, I mean, I don't just do that. I now also play a lot of historical women, um, 
obviously I can play other things and other types, but that usually comes from people who have worked with me in some form, or now that I have established myself and I have legitimate credits and you know what I mean? I'm at a place in my career um, and I've been doing it long enough where there are a lot of people who know me. They are now of the, of the ilk to, to have me audition for other things. So I think that's so it's getting your foot in the door first, then you got to be yes. known for something. Yes. That or even just the fact that it gets you in the door. Right. Because if you're too generic about what you bring into the room, that's not going to help you at all. And a lot of times that'll get you into the wrong rooms and you don't want to waste people's time. And you also don't want to walk into a room and then just not be good. You want to make a good impression. So do what you do, do it well, be yourself, get into rooms, book work. And then it kind of starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm sure you probably touch on this in, in some form or fashion in the book. I haven't found it in there yet, but um, in terms of, of the, the overall entertainment industry, what do you think the general public gets wrong about it? What's the biggest sort of misconception? Because, you know, you, you've written this book about being a proactive performer and, and, you know, all the things that go on behind the scenes to get the gigs I would think that may be one of them, but what do you think are, is the biggest or one of the biggest misconceptions that's out there? I think there are a couple. One, yes, because okay. the, the book, things like this don't exist, which is why I wrote this, because I think people don't realize that just much like any other functioning business, this is also a business and you have to conduct yourself in that way, which is right. why this is very helpful. Uh, but I think another big thing is, most of us in this business are journeymen, women, performers, meaning we're trying to, you know, make a living. We're not a big star. We don't necessarily make a gazillion dollars, even if you see us on TV, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah. Something that the strike is kind of pointing out to the public that I think most people are very unaware of that. You know what I mean? We're all just trying to work. Living. Yeah. What we're trying to do. And I think people also don't think about this when you're looking at big stars like Reese Witherspoon, um, Angelina Jolie, you look at really any big name performer, JLo, they're not just actors. They have a lot of other things they do because they too are not working all the time. They have to have other businesses or other things that help the performing career kind of stay afloat. So yeah. we're all just kind of, you know what I mean? Like we're, 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 we're just, we're just like, everybody else who's going to a nine to five, it's not a nine to five, but we are, you know, we're really truly working, just, just trying to work. It's not just <laughs> hanging out. And, and as I said, waiting no, we're not the, hanging out. We're not waiting for the phone to ring. Um, we're not living in luxury estates. We're not, you know what I mean? Buying everything that we wish we could have. We're just, you know, literally plugging away, hoping the next job comes and getting to do what we love for, a day, two days, a month, three months, who knows, you know what I mean? And um, keep it spinning as best as we can. So I, I'm in Florida today because over the weekend, uh, some entertainers that I work with 
who are our singers. They're in a trio, and one of the singers, unfortunately, was sick, one of the three folks. So we had to get a substitute at the last minute to fill that third slot. Now, obviously, he was a very talented uh, gentleman, and he could step in and he could sing and, and he could dance and he could do the thing. But the best part about this guy is that he was a good hang. He was easy to get along yeah. with. He showed up on time. Uh, you know, we had a lobby call at four o'clock. He was there at 3.55. You know, all of those things. In your experience, you've been doing this for a couple of decades now. How important is it to be a, a good hang, to be professional and easy to get along with? That's probably one of the most important things. And underrated, right? People don't talk about it a lot. Yeah, I I think in, in, in circles within the industry, I think it is talked about. Um, because if you're not, then you don't work. So you gotta like, you know what I mean? You you need to really be respectful of your peers. The work gets around, right? It's a smaller industry than you would think. And people find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something to think about, along with being proactive and in, in gearing up for what you want to do with your life, is to be a quality human being. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you want to find out how to be a proactive performer, it's all in there. Um, and you even say on the cover of the book, you've got tips and tricks and templates. So I'm going to put you on the, on the spot right now. Give me a tip. You want to be a proactive performer? Give me a tip. Oh, I've said so many already. I think like, doing up to five things a day for your career. That's uh, good. No, let's yeah. stop on that because you did. Okay. You mentioned that and we kind of slid past it. Yeah, yeah. So you put concrete, you know, things. If I do these five things each day, you're going to move forward, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like I like to look at it as maybe one or two small things that are real quick and like a, one bigger thing um, or maybe it depends too on your goal. So for me, let's do an example. So for me, for my acting career, I, my five things today would be going to my audition, mm -hmm. prepping for my recording I'm going to do the next day, right. e emailing out a casting director that I met the other day and saying, thank you. It was lovely to meet you. Going to my tap class tonight and I don't know, being on Zoom here today and talking to you. So now a bunch of new people know me and what I do, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. So there's my five things. Now, those five things could potentially bring something else to the to the forefront. Not only am I educating and helping my talents by like going to class, maybe I'm going to get a job from the audition. Maybe somebody who saw me in the audition today will bring me to another audition. Maybe somebody I met sitting in the waiting room will, you know, something will happen there. They'll want to use me as a coach coming on to Zoom today. You know, we already had somebody, do you do talks? Yes, I do talks. You know what I mean? That already, that already may lead to something else. So that's why like, five things a day are great. So small, big, whatever, you just need to know what those goals are and do do little incremental things every day. And something else is going to happen because of that. And that's what really, truly like the idea of proactive came from. Um, and you just never know what's going to happen. You never know. And it could be, you know, a, a week down the road, a month, six months down the road, somebody may come across this video online still or hear yeah. the podcast and and say, she's what I need right now. So you got to plant those seeds. Yeah, exactly. So you're just planting seeds. And I mean, if you're busy, you're you're probably going to necessarily be working as a performer. You might have a day job because um, you want to pay your rent. So that's fine. So it might take 
five minutes to send an email. Maybe you're looking at the trades and seeing the audition coming up and then deciding what song you're going to sing. And then you're going to, you know, schedule a coaching with your coach. These are all part of the being doing five things a day. So they don't have to be like this huge things. It's the little things that start to add up really quickly. You said something smart in your book to, to, to play on that, that I thought was really uh, astute. And that was to take your day job somehow in the industry. I know the guy that, that played uh, the Shermanator in all the American Pie movies. And yeah. he worked, uh, you know, as a waiter in the Universal Studios commissary for years, even after he did some of the American Pie movies, because yeah. it sort of kept him in the deal flow and around the other folks that were doing things. Yeah, so, yeah, it's huge. I mean, I talk about that too. In the book, I actually give like four or five tips on on day jobs as far as for performers. It definitely in some way should complement your career so that you're mm -hmm. still potentially in the world. It could definitely in some way, shape or form be something that helps you level up your talent in some way. So maybe you're like going to host events and that'll help with improvising, things like that. Maybe you're coaching and teaching others like as a dance teacher or something else that helps you keep up your art so that when you go to another audition, um, and, and you definitely want a job that works around your schedule. So that's also why if you're finding a, something in the arts already, more than likely, that is going to be something that's going to help with your audition schedule. For me as a dresser, that's somebody who is working at night in a show and I'm auditioning during the day. Um, and that could also, um, be a great compliment to my career as well. And actually funny story, yeah. uh, how I met you was through Homer uh, Hickam, who I'm sure many people know who are watching. New York this. Times number one best-selling author of Rocket Absolutely. So as a dresser on Broadway, I met the writers of Rocket Boys, the musical, which is how I ended up in the show uh, from being a dresser, meeting the writers who were also working backstage on the show, ending up in the show, which is how I met Homer. And here we are today with Full Circle. With All the these years kids. later. And that's a, a yeah. perfect example of how it works. Mm -hmm. If um, if you play guitar in a rock band, you try to get a job in a recording studio. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or do, <laughs> you know, production, mobile sound, or something else that's in that industry. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. You just never know. And two, if you're staying within the industry, you're also just probably, more, I mean, not it's not for everybody, but... I mean, for me, that helps make me a happier person being in the place, you know, that I actually want to be in. It makes me feel like a, you know, a good human. It makes me happy. So You talk about happy. <laughs> there have to be times when you just get the crap kicked out of you all week long. And maybe you've auditioned for 40 things and ain't nothing happening. And yeah. That's you're 3,000 miles away from home and, uh, you know, you're there in the city by yourself and you're surrounded by 8 million people, but you feel pretty lonely. How does how does Kimberly Greenberg keep those spirits up? How do we keep that million dollar smile? Um, you know, I I definitely have other things I like to do that take me back to my happy place um, that don't involve necessarily performing. Some of them do. Um 
I mean, I like to watch television, obviously, but I try to watch things that I know I can't be on. So my brain is like not focusing oh. on the, the business side of Why that. didn't they cast me as the marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Know. Maisel? Um, but I mean, like for me, like going to the water, going to the beach, having a support system is super important. I talk about that in the book too, having people that continue to cheer you on regardless of things not going in your right direction. Right. I've been very lucky to have people who have been by my side for a lot of my career. And that's been wonderful. Um, and I think that's just a, a big part of it. And again, you know, the rejection again is the norm and I'm not, and again, it's not an easy thing. It definitely even gets to me at, at points, but I sit with it for a second, then I try to do my best to move on to the next thing, which is also why being proactive is helpful because then I just, my brain starts to go, okay, well, what can I do next? Because that's right. not going to happen. So we're just going to move on and we're going to try for something else. And then that, you know, then the wheels start turning and then I start having fun again. And then, and then something else usually happens and they're like, okay, great. So we've moved on. Kimberly, as, as we get ready to wrap up, I want to give you a chance to, to tell our, our viewers and, and our listeners today who you think sort of the target audience for your new book is, who should get this book? Oh, well, it's definitely applicable to performers in all the realms at whatever level. And I've written it specifically that way because these are like, it's strategy step-by-step -step stuff. So it's something as a reference, you're going to have it for forever. I, I was at the audition this morning, a friend who's been in the business for years and years and years ha got my book. And she's like, I already used your book yesterday. I needed the, the template. I already used it. So yeah. I mean, that can be for that, but it's also for like students who have no idea even where to begin. Because I start with the basics, the very basics, headshots and resumes, the things that you need. And then I work out from there with the more advanced stuff. So um, I really hope that maybe starting in high school or for kids, but the parents of the children, you know what I mean? Right. But starting in high school seems to be about the right age all the way to professional performers as far as the book is concerned. Learn about business and marketing strategy for yourself as the proactive performer with Kimberly Faye Greenberg's new book. Congratulations on becoming an Amazon bestseller. Thank you. It's crazy, but I love it. <laughs> I'm very happy. Thank you. You can find the book at Kimberly Faye Greenberg, and that's Faye with an E, faygreenberg.com, headlinebooks.com, amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, including the drama bookshop in New York City. New in York City. New York City. The city is so nice, they named it twice. Kimberly Faye Greenberg, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you for having me. And we appreciate you watching our Zoom Into Books simulcast with the Big Time Talker podcast. Thank you to our show sponsor, SpeakerMatch.com. Thanks to Ashley and Belinda and Kathy and the whole gang at Headline Books for making us feel so welcome. Wherever you are, whatever you do, go out and be proactive today. You'll be better for it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.